creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm an illustrator for clients like Apple, Xbox, Lego, and the New York Times. I make this show because as someone with ADHD, creatively carving out my own path in life wasn't a luxury. It was something I felt like I had to do because I was born into a world that was not built with someone like me in mind. And if you also find yourself in a world that was not created with you in mind for whatever reason, this is the show for you. If you are like most creators, you probably got serious about making creative work when you encountered some art, some creator that spoke to you on a deeper level than you even knew you had. And it hit you so hard that you weren't happy to just continue consuming creative work. You wanted to participate. You wanted to make work like that. But if you're like me, when you went to go do that, it all seemed like kind of a mystery. Like, how do you even make that kind of supercharged next level work? In this episode, I want to explore how maybe the next level isn't what you think it is. Maybe it's counterintuitive. When we think next level, I think we think ascending and going up in the hierarchy. But what if making that next level? What if that next level is subterranean? What if it's subconscious? What if it's not up but down and digging into the depths of who you are? And we've been doing this series about self-excavation, all about how your creative work at first at least is not creative gold as much as it is the tool for digging in and finding that gold within yourself. It's not just self-expression, it's self-excavation. And you've gotta use, you gotta make stuff to actually unearth those things. And today, I wanted to share a chat I had with an incredible illustrator and author, Grace Michelli, because she has a class on Skillshare. It's all about turning your journal, hypothetically, metaphorically, or literally into your illustration or an illustrative comic. And I think this technique and the things that she talks about perfectly align with what we've been exploring in this series. In fact, in this conversation, we got to talk about the Book of Symbols, which is a book I bought in the past six months, and I didn't even know how relevant it was going to be to this series at the time when I asked her to have a chat. And so it was just perfect timing. I'm really excited for you to hear it. We're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of how to mine yourself for those creative gems and how to make deeper work. But if you stick around to the end, I'm going to give you a process for identifying personal symbols that you can inject into your work to make it resonate on other levels. So stay tuned for that, how to mine your own personal symbols. But before we get to that, let's dive into my chat with Grace and dig into how she got to a place where she started making work that resonated at the level to being able to turn her work into a book and becoming a published author and amassing a really impressive audience on social media that really resonates and connects with the work that she makes. So uh, get your pickaxe and your lantern and let's 
dig into the creative journey of Grace Michelli. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AndyJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I had heard you somewhere else say that you had a big breakthrough on a personal level that then led to creative breakthroughs and kind of change your work. And I wanted to, before we talk about what that breakthrough was, I wanted to see if you could give us a picture of where you were just before that. I had a very lucky, very busy, very exciting first few years as a freelancer. You know, I have, I'm so grateful for the connections, the friends, the opportunities, right? Like I think so much magic happens when you are a young or can happen when you are a young artist in living in New York City. And I was so eager to make art all the time and hustle, hustle, hustle. And um, not surprisingly, that uh, got to me. So yeah, I, I think it was just like I had a few years where I was just going, going, going. And my identity, my sense of self was 100% wrapped up in being an artist in being a freelancer an illustrator um that was who i was which 
I think served me well in, you know, some ways in my career. Right. Um, but for grace as a person, um, it did not. And there was almost this like flattening that happened, right. Of myself where everything was in service to my career and to my professional goals. And I just wasn't in touch at all with my emotions and, you know, kind of just my like, I just wasn't doing any self-care, right? Like staying up late, socializing slash partying, just, you know, having, having fun. But, uh, you know, it all kind of came crashing down. I think what was problematic about how I was functioning in the world then was just how I internalized everyone else's opinions and I didn't I just didn't really have my own. I think that's what it was. It was like my voice wasn't really part of the conversation. I wasn't in touch with what I wanted to be making, what, you know, what I really wanted to be doing. I I really was just kind of like, all right, will people like this? Will potential clients like this? Will my friends like that? You know, I I think it, I think it was that. I think what needed to shift was just adding my voice into the conversation. Hey, this is Andy from the future, just adding a little extra commentary. As I was listening back through this, I thought that this particular moment in Grace's story illustrated a really important principle. And it's this notion that new journeys often start when your comfort zone is no longer comfortable, where you're starting to feel like it's not working for you anymore, how your favorite sweatshirt all of a sudden feels really itchy. That's what it feels like when you're looking around at the situation that you're in and the people you're around and you just feel like, you know what, this isn't working anymore and being able to recognize that. And when you feel that way, I think in my experience, the key to finding the next direction isn't just stumbling out on your own, but looking for those who are in places that seem more attractive or seem like they have solved some of the itch that you have and looking for those guides. And it seems to be exactly what Grace did. How do you think you did that? 
honestly, I think it was therapy. Like, I think I needed this outside, unbiased perspective to to point it out to me because um, the early days of therapy, you know, this was in like 2018 when I went back, my mind was just being blown every week. I was like, what? Like, what? I don't have to take everything personally? Like, what? Like, I just, I just, I needed someone to spell it out for me that there was like another way of thinking of acting of not necessarily feeling right because all I try to welcome all all the feelings but just like having someone make it just clearly communicate to me um that I could just try doing things a different way So if you find yourself in a place where the work that you're doing isn't cutting it anymore and you feel like you're just hitting a wall and you can't make work that's better, you can't get the opportunities you want, the people around you don't seem to have any insight for you, it might be time to look outside of your circle and find people like a therapist or a mentor, even virtually, even someone that maybe doesn't talk to you directly, but you're just connecting with them through parasocial kind of connections, either through podcasts or YouTube or whatever, but immersing yourself into a new world and saying yes to that creative call to adventure to go beyond what has become your comfort zone. Because in those places, That's where you're going to find the people that can give you the tools and it's those guides who can equip you with that new creative weapon or that new creative tool that's going to help you to unearth stuff that you haven't been able to reach with the tools that you previously had. the essential pieces of my creative practice, it being a practice, it being a, a thing that I'm doing rather, uh, even if nobody's asking me to, um, <laughs> even if nobody wants me to, I don't know, just continually showing up and, and doing it and having a routine around it. It kind of was, it, it, it has become kind of like a type of journaling. And so how did art making, how does that play into this if it does? Yeah, I think that talking, you know, talking about journaling, like I I realized that that, that words and writing stuff down has always been a part of my process, like my whole life. It always started with words and in therapy, I learned about uh, morning pages from the artist's way. And that didn't end up being the like the thing that worked for me, but it definitely inspired me to do that in other ways, to just like clear it out, get it out, get some of that stuff that's just like 
stuck going around in a circle in my head on a piece of paper so I can be like, okay, there's something there. Or I can be like, mm, no, I, I can, I can let that, I can let that go. I think I just started to make art about my honest feelings. Like I have really strong memories of the first time I posted an illustration on Instagram that wasn't like a self-deprecating tongue-in-cheek joke. Like the first time I was just totally like wholesome and sincere and being so terrified of that, which is, you know, silly to, to look back on that. But now I just, I think that's so beautiful and I'm so proud of myself for being brave and doing that because like that shift towards using art to process and to express my internal worlds. Yeah, it like led me to where I am today. And it it led to a lot of career opportunities. Like I got to make my book, right? Like I got to do all this stuff. It didn't, it didn't being myself and being honest about who I was didn't, um, it didn't limit me. You know, people didn't cringe and turn away and shun me. Um, So I think it was really validating. And I also started to take care of myself just as a person, right? Like I started to do stuff that had nothing to do with work, nothing to do with any of that. Um, Just like expanded my world beyond So for Grace, the tool that she was given was journaling, writing, starting with something like morning pages and then turning it into her own practice of daily excavating the self and putting it onto the page and externalizing that kind of cognition. For me personally, in my own creative journey early on, it was personal projects that I'd seen some creators that I looked up to as guides had done. And it turned into this daily drawing project where I was really trying to get myself out of my head and onto the page so I could look at it and capture it and have a little bit more of an objective distance on what was going on in there. And I think later it became the podcast where every single week I was challenging myself to show up with different ideas. And the longer I did that podcast, the more I started to change because I was getting a perspective on where I was a year ago or the year before. And I started to have a clearer sense of when I was speaking something that was deeply authentic and honest, or when I was putting stuff onto the page that I felt unsure about. And it was through that process of forcing myself to externalize that cognition that I started to feel like I got a sense of what parts of myself, what parts of my psyche were persona or things I'd put on or things that I adopted from people around me and which of them did feel deeply true as I put them down uh, and out into the world.
I recently heard Jason Siegel, the actor, say that his favorite definition that he had ever heard of art or creativity was self-exploration in front of an audience. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. And even if you don't see yourself as a writer, what maybe you see yourself as a musician first or a, an illustrator or whatever, I just want to challenge you to try to think about what you do as a form of writing, whether that becomes literal words or not. My favorite definition of illustration is writing with pictures. I've said that a billion times on this show. And as I move into my first book launch of a book where I have an actual real author credit, I kind of have reflected on the fact that I never felt like a writer. I always felt more like an actor who writes in order to tell the world who they are and to get the roles that they are looking for. People like Jason Siegel had done that where Judd Apatow had told him when he was on the set of Freaks and Geeks, like if you want to write your own destiny and carve out your own path and and be the captain of that, you can't wait for someone to just hand you the perfect roles. You have to become a writer Even if you feel like you're not a very good writer or it doesn't come naturally to you, you still have to put in the time of externalizing your inner world so that other people can see it. And sometimes you're going to need collaborators. Sometimes you're going to have to uh, take shortcuts or, or use crutches if language is something that you find difficult. But for me, that's how that was my way into authorship and writing and talking was another way of kind of getting around the fact that I was initially uncomfortable with putting words onto a page. So however you have to get there, I just encourage you to get there, even if it just starts with your journal that nobody ever sees and you start exploring the personal symbolism from your own life and translating that into work that has a little bit more subconscious supercharge, even if it's not explicit or obvious what that thing means. How do you start finding symbols? There are so many universal symbols, but that, you know, as individuals, there's like always this other subjective layer that's added onto them. So I think they're really powerful in that way. Um, but I have, you know, I have some symbol books and, um, it's, it's really funny. The book, the, the book of symbols that I feature in my class ended up being a book we talked about months later um, in school in my program when we we were studying the work of Carl Jung. And um, I was going to say, that's some serious synchronicity that Carl Jung would love, but holy goodness, it's multiple layers there. I know. I know. So yeah, I just think like, I've always been drawn to the like, the kind of simplified communicative quality that symbols have, but yeah. there will always be that like individual, 
subjectivity. Personal symbolism. Exactly. It's Personal that, yeah. that always is gonna like shift it, which which I love, right? I, I love that they can be interpreted in so many, so many ways. Okay, just to quickly summarize some of the key points in this episode. Uh, If you are stuck in a level in your work that doesn't feel like it resonates at the level that you're hoping that it does, I think there's three pieces that you can take from Grace's journey. The first one is when you find yourself in a comfort zone that is becoming uncomfortable, the first thing to do is to find guides in other zones that seem like they would scratch that itch. So whether that's virtual or in real life, find those people that seem to be in spaces that feel more attractive or feel like a tractor beam pulling you in. And the second piece is identify what are the tools that those guides can give to you. So for Grace, that was a therapist who introduced her to the idea of morning pages. But if you're a musician, it might look like John Mayer and his Ouija board style songwriting that he talks about where he just starts playing and ad-libbing things and letting it go where it's going to go. Like when you find a guide that seems to be in a place where you'd like to be, the next thing you got to do is highlight all of the interviews and all of the liner notes and all of the things that they've said about their process and look for specific tools that help them unearth those gems those things that need to be refined and put into your creative work. And what are those things? That's number three, identifying your personal symbols, the supercharged symbols, either universally or completely personal to you. The book that we mentioned in this episode is actually one that I had picked up from hearing about on a podcast I've been into lately that I've mentioned a few times on the show lately, This Young Ian Life, they recommended if you are interested in interpreting your dreams and diving into your subconscious, picking up this book called The Book of Symbols. It's by the Archive for Research in Archetypal Symbolism or Aras or Eras. I don't know how, how that said, but it's, it's amazing. It's an incredible book, but it's limited in that these are the archetypal universal symbols and they are helpful and they are a piece of lots of great works of creative art. But in order for it to have a flair that is personal to you, you're going to have to start finding and highlighting your own personal symbolism. So here's your CTA, your creative call to adventure, a quick thing that you can do right now to put this into practice and start stepping forward towards making deeper work in your creative practice today. So here's what you can do. You can start by just writing down things in your life without any extra psychically charged information. So I'm like a big uh, list 
freak. I'll, I'll, I'll use that word. I <laughs> will often just like, again, in the same way that I write, I will stream of consciousness, like write out objects and symbols and then almost do this like matching crisscross game between phrases I've written and symbols that like pop into my head right and maybe it's maybe it's based on somewhere I just went on vacation or a movie I just watched or an object I recently bought but I do just I do usually try to like reach into my recent frame of reference to to pull things and then they will often evolve or, or shift um but it is yeah it is kind of a similar process of just like seeing what comes out when it's just me and my mind. So just list those things out without judgment, just things that were from your recent life. And then the next piece is to start explaining what are your associations with that thing. When you think of your significant other, when you think of your pet, when you think of your kid, when you think of the vacation, when you think of pizza, whatever, all that whole list of things. When you think of those things, what are the emotions and associations that come to mind? What do they represent for you personally? And I think that a lot of us avoid these kinds of things because we think, well, those associations are personal to me. But as we've said a million times in the show, and you've heard it a million times out in the creative world, in the personal lies the universal, that you don't want to just reach for universal symbols because those things are so universal that they often have lost some of their saltiness in meaning. And I was thinking about this other day, the other day, how often Artists with very, very different experiences and identities are the ones that speak to me on the deepest level because in a way it's kind of the same thing that happens when you watch a sci-fi or fantasy film. Like if you watch Star Wars and it's in a galaxy far away with things that are totally alien to you, all of a sudden you're getting light years of distance from your own life and you're starting to see things fresh and you're starting to see things from a perspective that you are just too close to the glass on in your own life. And you're able to provide that kind of distance for others by pulling from your own personal symbols. And so that's your CTA for this week. Just start by writing down literally all the things that are reoccurring in your life or significant in your life from your soda stream to your bathtub to your Nike shoes to your hoodie to your dogs to, you know, your two dogs. Like my two dogs have two very different 
symbolic feelings to me. For me, my dog Madison has this kind of like unassuming cuteness. Like when we were, I mean, I'm just obsessed with this dog, but when I just fawn over her, she always does the side eye like, what? I'm just like a dog, you know, I'm not anything special. And that makes her even more cute. And then Moki is like the psychically part of myself that's like, look at me, look at me. I'm so cute. What, you know, (laughs) these very two different energies. Um, But that's your CTA. Just write down all the significant things in your life without judgment, without even assuming whether they do or don't have a psychic charge. And then try to just associate at first the top level of emotions. What are the emotions that you have for them? What do you think about them? What do you associate with them? Those are the same thing that your dreams do. I just saw this article on Nautilus uh, by Cormac McCarthy, and it was about this issue of how if the subconscious really is this deeper place and this profound place of inner wisdom, then why does it speak so incoherently like why are dreams such a weird language if it's so smart why doesn't it speak plainly with direction and from what i can tell the answer is the reason is because this part of you this deeper part of you is a ancient part that existed that evolved into who you are before we even had human language and so it's unable to speak plainly But when you start pulling back these layers and you realize like the things that are in your dreams or the symbols that pop up in your head seemingly randomly, they may take a little bit more time to extrapolate meaning from, uh, which sometimes can feel like you're adding meaning to it or you're putting on some BS. But in my experience, if you'll take that time, you'll see that yes, It is a little work. Yes, you have to wrestle with it to associate words that are coherent with the thing that you're using with the symbol and the image that you're uh, trying to channel through your creative work. But if you can do that hard work of marrying the image with the meaning, that metaphor with the meaning and, and, and the definition in the words you will also be able to speak with a language through your creative work that transcends actual language and transcends the everyday vernacular and speaks to the heart and the depths of your fellow humans. At least, (laughs) sounds pretty lofty, but at least that's what I'd like to be on a journey towards. This week's episode was brought to you by the invisible thing, itch. If you have an itch, if you're feeling uncomfortable in your old comfort zone, it might be time to explore finding a guide out of there or into new territory. 
and an itch. That itch will help you find, it will guide you to your guides if you'll listen to it, because I think you can have an itch on the surface or you can have an itch in your soul. And I think Soul Itch is a really good name for a new metal band. Thank you, we've been Soul Itch tonight. Don't forget we've got merch in the back. If anybody wants to take it, but give me some credit in the liner notes. If people dig in, <laughs> no one's going to dig into that. Um, uh, if you don't know, we have a new picture book. My wife and I co-created a picture book called Invisible Things. It is coming out July 18th. Up into that time, there are some pre-order incentives, the first of which that is uh, live right now. It, you can find it at invisiblethings.co. If you purchase the book, if you pre-order it, you can submit your receipt there for a free 16 by 20 brand spanking new Invisible Things poster that uh, I'm really proud of and love the, the vibe and look of. Um, so go check that out. Pre-orders are everything. They are the way to get onto lists and get on the radar of booksellers and get give it a real chance to get into the hands of kids. And I, I could not be more excited about this book. And I, I, I can't wait for kids to get a look at it as well as adults because um, it's a lot of really personal uh, excavating onto a page. And so. Hope you love it. And if you've ever wanted to support the show, I'm just going to be blunt and ask you to do so this way. Just go um, order the book and and, uh, spread the word if you are so willing. Massive shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for editing and sound design. Thanks to Ryan Appleton, Katie Chandler, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.